All right, well, John chapter 1. We are continuing John's Gospel. Uh, the sermon series titles title is Seeing Jesus in John, as I have said and probably will continue to say. My prayer is that we as His church would see Jesus, that we would see our Savior, and that as we behold glory in the face of Jesus Christ, our faith, our love, our trust, our adoration for Him would grow. And that through this process we would be strengthened in the inner man, the body of Christ would be edified, and sinners would be called to repentance and eternal life. And we know that the Word of God has the power to do just that and much more. Amen? And I am trusting that, that God, through His Word, as it is read and expounded, that His Spirit will bless His people, that He will nourish and feed our souls, and that He will continue to conform us into the image of His beloved Son. So last week we opened formally John's Gospel and uh, we saw Jesus of the Word. In those few first verses, the short verses, uh, much was laid before us in regards to who Jesus is. John took a very familiar image, a very familiar theme, the Word, and he applied it to Christ. We learned last week that Jesus was at the beginning that before creation was, Jesus was there. There He was. Uh, we learn that Jesus was with God. That He was in relationship with the Father. We learn that He was and continues to be God. We saw that while Jesus is distinct from the Father, He is also God Himself. And we saw that He is God's agent of creation. God spoke and the Word created all Things And all things were made through Him. And we looked in Colossians that not only were they made through Christ, but they were made for Him as well. Today we're going to see another familiar kind of common theme that all of humanity can relate to and understand, and that is light. doesn't matter what culture a person comes from, uh, geographical location, or time in history, uh, all people can understand the image of Light. It has many applications, as we will see as time unfolds. Maybe you've ever spent some time outdoors, out in the middle of the desert, or out in the middle of the woods, and it gets dark. And when it gets dark, it gets dark. Right? And you quickly learn how difficult it is to function without light, without a light source, how important it is. Uh, whether you have to huddle around a fire, or whether you use the beam of a flashlight, Without light, it's hard to get much done at all. And as we read the Bible, as we open up the Word of God, we learn that the world is in a state of darkness. Not just the world itself, but also the souls of men. And this is a darkness that no fire, no flashlight, or not even the sun can penetrate because it is a spiritual darkness. John is going to show us that the true light has come into the world. And this light has the ability to penetrate into and to deliver us from that darkness. So we're going to open up at John chapter 1. Our text will be 4 through 13, but I'm going to read just from the first verse just to kind of set the context. So John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made. Through Him, 
And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. First thing I want to point out as we open up uh, this text is that this light is a life-giving light. This light that John talks about is a life-giving light. Look again at verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. We have learned, as we've opened up John, that Jesus is the source of life. We just saw that in verse 3. He is God's agent in creation. Everything was made through Jesus. So Jesus is the source of physical life. He is the reason that we have life at all. He has given us here all life. He gives life to everything that we see in creation. Genesis 1, or in the opening chapters of Genesis, we see God breathing into humanity at creation. So Jesus is the source of natural, physical life. But He's also the source of spiritual life. I want to read again verse 4 in a different translation. It says, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Not only does Jesus give the very life of creation, but His life is also the light that shines into our lives. His life is the reason that we can have eternal life. And John kind of uses a dual meaning here that Jesus gives physical life. He is the creator, but he also gives spiritual life. He is the only source of spiritual or eternal life. Uh, eternal life. Thinking of this, this illustration, John uses this word light, and he relates it to Jesus. If you think about one of the things that light does, it literally gives life. Light is a source of life on this planet. Maybe there's some would-be biologists in the room, some science enthusiasts, or maybe you're just happy that 10th grade biology is long gone. But you remember this idea of photosynthesis, where a plant literally gets its fuel from the sun. The sun shines onto a plant, it takes in carbon dioxide, it turns into carbohydrates, and it fuels the plant. So literally, the, the light is the life source. And then the byproduct, the waste of this process is oxygen so that we can live. It's almost as if God made it that way. That was a joke. <laughs> so this, 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 we see here that literally in life, uh, light gives life. So John is using this illustration. He's applying it to Jesus that he is light 
And we see that light actually does give us life. And Jesus comes and He has offered and given us spiritual life. You think about the Pacific Northwest, and we are kind of known for rain, right? Gloomy times, gloomy months. I see some heads saying, yeah. Uh, especially as you travel more and more north, right? It was more extended rain, longer season of rain, more steady rain. And I think even for those of you in the room that love the rain, that can't wait for fall, winter, spring, half of summer to come when the rain comes, um, even for those that love the rain, rain for weeks on end has a way of kind of zapping the life out of you. When there's no sun in the sky, when there's no light shining, uh, it just has a way of kind of, of zapping life from us. And, but you think about when there's been this extended period of no sun and no sun and gloom and rain, and you wake up and you see that beam, that warm glow of the sun shining on your bed, and you kind of throw the covers off and go outside. And, and I think the sun kind of literally invigorates life into us. You can feel its rays uh, hitting your skin, and it really... It really can, can make a person feel alive as those sun rays just hit your skin. Well, Jesus too is the life giver. He is light that gives life. And He has come offering His obedient life and substitutionary death to shine light into your very soul. Uh, he wants to light you up, if you will. He wants us not to walk in the gloom and the depression that this world often brings but to shine His light into our lives, that we would experience true life. Not just existence, not just being, and I think not even just salvation. I say that cautiously, just salvation. Salvation is huge, and everything it is what every person needs. But not even just believing, but really experiencing life Serving, knowing, and loving God. And what a, what a difference I think we would all testify to. Uh, life without God, life without knowing God, life without walking with God, life without His light being shown into our lives, and then light with God. True life happens knowing God. And Jesus has come, uh, shining His light, giving us life. The next thing we see about this light is it is a darkness destroying light. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness of this world cannot and will not prevail against Jesus and His church. Regardless of what it looks like around us, we have the full story, we know the end, and Christ will prevail. He will be victorious. Now, you remember these, these words, when Peter gives his famous confession in Matthew 16, and Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The powers of darkness, the gates of hell, will not prevail against Jesus Christ. Another thing that light, that light does, it gives life, but it also exposes and reveals. Light has a way of shining into a dark place and exposing what is there. Sometimes light shines and it exposes things we don't really want to see. right? Things that we don't necessarily want to know are there. Think about if you were um, exploring in a canyon with a friend and you see this kind of hole in the rock, uh, and maybe you're the adventurous type, 
and you want to go explore this cave, and your friend is saying, no, man, we, we, we shouldn't go in there, but, but you're adventurous, and you kind of journey into this cave, and as you are going in and watching for rocks to hit your head, you can see some, but as you go deeper and deeper, and uh, the light begins to go away, and all of a sudden you realize that you are in darkness, right? that you can't see anything. There is no light entering this cave. Uh, you tell your friend, hey, turn on your lamp, turn your light on. Uh, and when the light comes on, it exposes everything. And sometimes in a dark place, it exposes things we don't want to see. Uh, and maybe that brings memories of an Indiana Jones movie or something with snakes hanging on the wall, uh, centipedes on the ground, what have you, your hands on the wall, and all of a sudden it's, oh. But light has a way of exposing things we don't want to even know are there. I feel like I would have been better off not seeing that, right? Because now I'm freaked out. Sometimes light shines uh, and, and it exposes things that we don't want to admit are there. Because when it shines in those areas of our life, uh, we have to then do something about what we see. right? When God reveals something in our heart, uh, we then are called to do something about it. And I wonder if there's an area uh, in your life that you've sought to keep His light out of. Uh, you've hoped that His light would not shine in this area. Maybe you've taken great steps uh, to avoid His light shining in this uh, piece of your life, this attitude of your heart, maybe a pet sin that uh, we can hang on to, justify over years and years, and just all of a sudden it's no big deal. I've been doing this forever. God, it's not uh, that big of a deal. Uh, maybe you're like me. Kids, maybe you guys are like me. I don't know if you are, but when I was a kid, I didn't really like to clean my room. Uh, I was supposed to clean my room, right? I often wasn't allowed to go outside if I didn't clean the room. Uh, and I remember I was really good at, at having it look Good. You could look in the room, you could look in the closet, but I had a secret. Under my bed was packed full of stuff. Magazines, probably dirty socks, who knows what. I mean packed, and I had it, I had it packed so well uh, that you couldn't even get your hand in there. It was just a complete brick of stuff. And one time I was out playing with my friends, and we had recently gotten cats. My grandmother had this feral cat. It had babies, and we took two of them home, and they lived in my room. And my aunt was raising me at the time, and she calls me. You know, I'm way down the street with my friends. We're on our bikes. And I'm like, oh, what happened? You know, what happened was she wanted to see the cats. And the cats went under the bed. So she went to get the cats, and she found my secret. She found my little, my, my, my little dark spot that nobody was supposed to see. She shined her light under the bed, and there it was. And I come in, and she's got all this stuff pulled out, and she's, She's yelling at me and griping at me, and my whole afternoon is ruined, and my friends are, are out having fun. But see, I thought I could have everything looking clean as long as no light shined in that one area. As long as they didn't see that, as long as nobody knew about that, you could come inspect the room, you could see it looks great, right? Look in the closet, my clothes are in there, it's good. But I had this one secret place, and it was exposed, right? It was revealed. And when Jesus comes to shine His light into the darkness of this world, one of the places it shines is right here in our hearts. right? And He wants full access. He wants all of it. He wants the closet. He wants under the bed. He wants every nook and cranny. But the blessing about this light that He shines, this exposing light, is that when He shines it into your heart, He doesn't just say, ha, look, you're, you're dirty. 
look, you're, in, you're a sinner. No, he says, come to me. I want to clean you up. I want to help you. I want to get those things out of your life. I want to cleanse you. I am making all things new. So, beloved, if there is junk under your bed, if you will, if there's things that you are keeping around, that I'm keeping around, uh, it's easy for us, I think, over time to justify small things that we know deep down in our heart God is saying, Man, get that out, you know? Sometimes it hurts. It hurt that day for me. It was a small consequence, but as a 10-year-old boy, man, oh, my friends were out riding their bikes. Now I'm stuck in the house, cleaning my bedroom, throwing all the stuff away, getting yelled at. My day was ruined. Sometimes when, when our stuff is exposed, it hurts initially, right? There's some pain involved. There's a process I have to go through. I have to now deal with my problem. But what is the value of a clear conscience before the Lord? And that darkness being eradicated from our lives is so much better than hanging on uh, to those things that we have tucked away. So Jesus' light is a darkness-destroying light. He gets it out. Uh, the next thing we see is a witness has come to this light. A witness to the light. So verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So here we're introduced to John the Baptist, not to be confused with John the Apostle, who is the author of this book. John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet. Now we read about him in the New Testament, but he comes as the last prophet proclaiming uh, that the Messiah is coming. All the Old Testament prophets, they pointed forward to a Messiah, to a Redeemer. John the Baptist is the last one. So he is operating in the Old Testament period, before the cross and before Pentecost, even though Jesus is alive. Uh, listen to what Jesus himself says about this man, John the Baptist. He says in Matthew 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Why would that be? Is this some great, great man? Has he done some amazing things? I think the greatness comes from the mission and the message that he was given. John the Baptist got to pave the way for the Christ. He is the forerunner. He is the last prophet to say, hey, the time is now. Prepare your hearts for God now. He is the forerunner. He is the, the one to pave the way for the Messiah. He comes with a message. Not that it's far off, not that one day, but right now. Repent and prepare your hearts for the Lamb of God. As we think about this light, and John, applies, John calls Jesus a light, another thing that light does is it brings hope. Light has a way of bringing hope. Think if you were shipwrecked in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Ship has been, has went down. You're on a lifeboat. You have a couple companions. Now, days have gone by. Despair has set in. Uh, and you know that you are going to die in the middle of the ocean. You're never going to see uh, your loved ones again. You start to think about your family and all the people that you're never going to see. Despair has set in. You're seeing things in the water around this little boat that you're assuming are hungry sharks. 
And off in the distance, there's this tiny little glimmer, this tiny little light bobbing up and down. And all of a sudden, you're filled with hope. Because at that light, there's life. You know that there has to be some sort of life at that light. And in that moment, uh, you are filled with hope because you have seen this light. When John the Baptist comes on the scene, he brings a message of hope. It's a hard message. And John the Baptist, he, he didn't mince words, but he still brings a message of hope. Prepare your hearts for God. His Redeemer is here. The Lamb that takes away the sins of the world, He is here. John the Baptist was the greatest because of the mission that he was called to undertake. But as we think about this messenger to the light, I want to read you a passage. And I want you to hear these words and I want you to embrace them as your own. So this is First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And this is Peter speaking to Christians. He's speaking to saved people. It's not just to the church at that time. It's not just to a certain group of people. But he speaks to Christians. And he says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. John the Baptist had the honor of saying, Messiah is coming. Prepare your hearts. The Christ is here. We as His church have the honor of saying, Messiah has come. Prepare your hearts for Jesus has died to save sinners. We get the privilege of proclaiming the excellencies of God, the excellencies of Him who called us, and there's that, that word again, out of darkness and into His marvelous light. So everyone in this room that is a believer is a witness to this great light that Jesus has brought into the world. It's not just John the Baptist. Uh, in Him we see a witness to the light, but also God has called us and given us the privilege and the right to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us. To tell people, man, I was in darkness and God has shown His light into my heart. So we see a witness to the light. Uh, but sadly, we also see a rejected light in verse 9. A rejected light. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. Yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. Uh, this really is a sad commentary. The true light, the light that gives light to everyone, that gives life to everyone, He has come to a world that was literally made by Him, and the world did not know Him. His own people, we read, did not receive Him. And we ask the question, why? how could that be? How could they have missed Him? How could they have not seen that this was the Messiah, this was the Christ? Well, Jesus answers that question in John chapter 3. So if, you want to, if you have your Bible and you want to turn a page over to John chapter 3, verse 19. Jesus says, this is the judgment that light has come into the world 
and people loved dark loved the darkness rather than light because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed so Jesus tells us that men reject him because of their sin they don't want their deeds exposed they don't want that light shining into their heart they don't want uh, accountability. They don't want that light shown under their bed. They want to live how they want to live. And they don't want anyone, not even God, having anything to say about how they live their life. As we think again about this theme of light, another thing that light can do is give us security. Many of you, I'm sure, have security lights in your front yard, motion lights, timed lights, and those are there for security. There's Security in light. We can see what's coming our way. We can see what's going on. There's a lot of places around here and abroad that you and I would go during the day and we wouldn't think twice of. Get out of our car, carry on as as normal. Uh, but ask to go there at night, and we may think a little harder if that's a place that we would want to visit at night. Uh, because at night we're not aware of our surroundings. We don't know what's around us. We don't know what's coming our way. A simple thing like walking the trash can down the driveway can be frightening in the dead of night as you can't see what's around you, hear sticks breaking and things off in the in the bushes. So light gives us security. And when we're in the darkness, that security is taken away. We're vulnerable. But those that reject the light of Christ, they have a false security. They have a security in themselves. They don't understand that they're in the darkness. They don't see the trouble that is coming their way because of their sin. Their problem is that they think that they can keep themselves safe. But Jesus offers true security. And it's not just the kind of security that that lightens up our surroundings, that makes us aware of our surroundings, but Jesus offers an eternal security. That we now know forever what is coming our way. Now, we may not be able to see every bump on the road in life that life brings. We would all attest to that. But there is a great light shown on our eternal destination. And we know that we will arrive at our destination in His time. We will spend eternity with Him. Jesus offers true security. It is an eternal security. And men have rejected His light because they have found security in themselves. Uh, and because they love their sin. And final point is this, number five. This is a family creating light. How can light create a family? Verse 12 of chapter 1. To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We have a beautiful picture here of the family of God being created. The new creation that Christ is creating. The new race. Those that have been bought by Christ and saved by grace through faith. This is that great multitude that no one could number that John beheld in the book of Revelation. A group of people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation that will one day stand before the throne of the Lamb, clothed in white robes, crying out, Salvation belongs to our God 
who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Another thing that light does is it makes a way. It acts as a guide. You think about an illuminated pathway in a dark park and you know that I can see my way on this path and I don't want to veer off the path. Street lights on an old highway show us the way to go on a dark night or even a flashlight in our hand acts as a guide as it makes a path for us, shows us the way. And Jesus has come as a guide that any that would receive Him, any that would come to His light, we read, would be born of God. Born of God. And that He would give them the right to become children of God. I want to make quickly two observations about that last statement. That He gives us the right to become children of God. Uh, Number one is this. Beloved, if you're a Christian, if you have faith in Jesus, then quite simply, as you know, you are a child of God. You have been adopted as a son or as a daughter. I think this is a doctrine that doesn't get mentioned enough. Uh, We focus on justification, that He has saved us, and sanctification, that He's changing us. Uh, But what a beautiful reality that God has brought us into His family and made us His son or His daughter. We read elsewhere that we... The church has become co-heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Jesus. We will receive as God's children the same status as His beloved Son. Now that doesn't mean we're going to become gods. doesn't mean we'll be equal with God. Uh, But I want to explain real quick, adoption in Paul's day is a little bit different than, than we understand. Very similar, but a little bit different. So in Paul's day, commonly, adoption would be used When a rich family that had no children uh, would look for a young man of good character to bring him into their family, to make him the heir. And what would happen is when they would choose that young man of good character, he would be an heir. He would be one of the family. And that would then bestow on him all the blessings, all the riches, all the benefits of being part of that family. And you have been adopted by God as a son and as a daughter, thus bestowing on you all the benefits, all the blessings, all the riches of being a child of God. God will eternally be your father, and you will eternally be his child. But there's another side of that. And if you are not following Jesus, if you haven't trusted in him, Uh, And it seems clear from this text and others that God is not your father and you are not his child. Now, the world will tell us differently that everyone is a child of God. uh, But we read very plainly here that those that receive Christ, he gives the right to become children of God. He adopts them. But the beautiful thing about that is that the choice is yours. The choice is yours. God has made the way. God has sent His light. He has sent His guide. He has sent His Son. And He calls everyone to believe, to respond in faith, to believe in His Son, to trust in Him. And He promises to adopt you as His child. He has given the choice to us. Those that turn to Christ will be saved. So a great light has come into this world. And that light, of course, is Jesus. 
Uh, he makes a way to God. He is the way to God. He illuminates the path, shows us how we can be forgiven. But he also has a way of exposing uh, what's in our heart with his life. And that's a good thing. Sometimes it hurts. Uh, sometimes it's hard. But it's always a blessing when God continues to chisel away at those areas uh, of our life that need chiseling. Amen. Let me pray.